0: someone into a crime statistic. The world was a scary enough place already. Believing that ended my flirtation with crime, I filled my lungs with the muggy air and welcomed the return of my sanity. A light rain began to fall. I tilted my chin up towards the solid gray sky and enjoyed the soft punches of cold against my face. Rainy days accentuated Fowler's blandness, which had to work some to get to pleasant on a crisp spring morning. Except for an occasional splash of color, a turquoise scarf, a basket of purple flowers in the florist's window, and a neon bar sign, the town looked like a film noir set. Along the wide, mostly empty sidewalks, a disturbing number of storefronts had a to-rent, or space-available sign, propped or taped in their windows. I lived above a picture-framing store that in the two years I had lived in Fowler had also been a clothing boutique and a shop selling religious artifacts. Liquor stores and bars did well, and the coffee shop was always busy. A psychic had rented a retail space a half block from my apartment, so maybe that was a good sign. She I don't know. Now that I determined that robbery was impractical, not to mention just plain wrong, I felt almost giddy. I didn't want to steal anything. Aside from a souvenir ashtray and maybe a bar glass, I'd never stolen anything in my life. Even when the girls I'd aspired to hang with in middle school dared me to steal, or lift, as they'd euphemized, a tube of yardly lip gloss, I'd declined. They'd called me chicken and shunned me at the lunch table. I suppose I was scared, but I also believed it was wrong. So why had it even occurred to me to knock off a liquor store? Maybe it was easy to claim the higher ground when you didn't need the money, or the lip gloss. I considered walking to my destination, Dryden Manor but decided I didn't have the time. Not only did I have a three o'clock appointment with my accountant-slash-financial advisor, but I was hoping to avoid April Clark, Dryden's director. I had a pretty good idea of her schedule—it paid to be attentive—and knew she usually took a late lunch, so if I got in and out of there by 2.30, I shouldn't run into her. I cut down the alley between the florists and the depot to the small lot where I park my eleven-year-old Civic. The little green machine has only got 35,000 miles on it, and I don't think my mechanic believes me when I tell him the speedometer has never turned over. It hasn't. The low mileage attests to the fact that I love to walk, don't care to drive, and on most days I don't stray far from home. The exception was taking my mother for a drive. There were times she got so antsy she couldn't stand being indoors and around people. On those days we'd go for a long ride, usually out in the country, and the miles worked on her like a mild sedative. I listened to a Vivaldi guitar concerto as I drove. He usually lightened my mood, as opposed to Beethoven, who made me want to conquer something. Or someone. I pulled into the lot at Dryden and let the strings crescendo and fade before turning off the car. One of the things I liked about Dryden Manor was that I could honestly say I wouldn't mind living there myself when my body and mind couldn't make it on their own any more. Not that I was planning for that to happen. I've never been able to imagine myself old, and I think there's some timer in my head that keeps me from becoming too enamored with the idea of a long dotage. From the outside, the building resembled an English Tudor estate, surrounded by a thick, manicured lawn, mature oaks, pines, and ashes, and seasonal gardens, now vibrant with purples, golds, and pinks. Walking paths wound through the grounds and bordered the Crystal River, which ran the gamut from a meandering stream to a rushing torrent, depending on the amount of rain and the snow runoff. Today it flowed at a good rate, attesting to the wet spring and summer we'd had, and I took a moment to watch the current carry a narrow, twisted log downriver, before I turned and headed up the walk. I signed my name in the visitor's register, and rounded the time up to 2.15— The receptionist wasn't the usual woman, but she seemed to know who I was, and, with a wry smile, directed me toward the first-floor lounge. I think Lizzie's holding court. That's the thing about being Lizzie Guthrie's daughter. People know me. Two years ago, when she moved to Dryden, I thought my mother was on her way out. She has chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, brought on by years of smoking, and was wasting away, both physically and mentally. I believed that my mother had chosen her time— And while I wanted to respect that decision, I also wanted to see that she got some of the luxury and pampering she'd missed out on in her retirement. Dryden Manor was the place. But then, instead of continuing her downward spiral, she'd thrived at Dryden. After a rocky start, that is. Smoking was not allowed on the premises, and my mother was an unapologetic smoker. She had to go cold turkey. For a month she called me daily, alternately begging...